Hi there, my name's Jack, and I love horrible movies. Each week on the Horrible Movie Podcast, producer Phil, a guest, and I talk about a horrible movie. We talk about the actors, directors, the budget, the box office, and like thereof. You also get silly songs, fake commercials, and too much fun to list on this promo. Available everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. It is a podcast as contemplative as a Rod Serling story and as intentional as a Jordan Peele production. It is the middle ground between movies and television, between comedy (laughs) and horror. And it lies between the pit of a man's expectations and the summit of his excitement. This is the dimension of discussion. It is an area which we call Quality Check Podcast. Welcome back, film and television fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast Twilight Zone Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me to my left, Drew Douglas. Thank you for having me. We're strapped in today. We're heading towards the vastness of space. Visors up. Is that what she said in this episode, visors up? I think she says visors down. Visors down. So as you can tell, this is going to be about space travel. On the most recent episode of The Twilight Zone, Six Degrees of Freedom. Before we get into that, just a little heads up about what Quality Check is. Normally, we cover movies, but we're stepping into the fifth dimension to cover the rebooted TV series streaming on CBS All Access, The Twilight Zone. For this episode, we will cover Six Degrees of Freedom, Signpost Ahead, Spoilers. And we will also talk about any previous Twilight Zone shows that compare and or are similar to this new episode. Before we dive into it, wanted to bring this to the top of the episode and talk about a contest that we've got. <laughs> All you have to do is follow us on Twitter. Our handle is QualityCheckPod. And once we reach 200 followers we're going to draw for a Fandango gift card. Drew, we're kind of desperate right now. We're struggling, kind of like these Twilight Zone episodes and reaching an audience. They're not struggling. We are struggling. Uh, well, it's, I don't know. I've been hearing a lot of mixed reviews for the overall rebooted Twilight Zone series. Did we know last week on the last episode that it was picked up for season two? We're coming back for season two, baby. We don't know how many viewers are watching CBS. They don't release anything about it. No, but they say that so far people are tuning in. And apparently for the pilot, the first day they ended up having the largest views across the entire platform for one show, The Twilight Zone. People were According to CBS, loving it. It's kind of, of hard for me to believe that. that. I don't believe that for yeah. a second. It's really hard for me to buy that. And the other thing is a lot of these episodes are not doing so great critically or among those who are watching. And one example is we've talked to someone, Aaron, who's on Sift Pop Podcast, and he really has not been enjoying these episodes at all. So a lot of people who we know aren't really digging it. But I don't know, it's kind of uh, half and half. Enough of that. Let's go ahead and dive into Six Degrees of Freedom. Happy birthday to you. 
everyone who's ever lived. The good, the bad, everyone's dead. Except us. Happy birthday, dear Alexa Brand. Tell me about your nightmare. Happy birthday. This is the nightmare. This episode tells a story about a space crew preparing for the first human flight to Mars, and they're faced with a life-altering decision and its consequences. Mm, so spooky. It does sound very Twilight zone and I have to say that, for the most part, it's kind of like last week, an original. It seems more and more original than just knocking off the old Twilight Zone. Do you know who Jacob Verbrugian is? <laughs> no clue. Well, I'm assuming that's how you say his last name. I have never heard of him either. He directed this episode. He's done a lot of TV work, including The Fall with Gillian Anderson. Okay. He did episodes of London Spy with the great Ben Wishaw and Jim Broadbent. Okay. Have you watched it? No. Okay. He did some House of Cards. Weird. He did an episode of Black Mirror, and he helped with TNT's The Alienist with Daniel Bruhl. Okay. These are all things I have not seen, but those are all, I would say, probably pretty, it's quality shows. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, It was written by Glenn Morgan and Heather Ann Campbell. I had no idea Glenn Morgan was involved. We've talked about him before when he wrote A uh, Traveler. A Traveler earlier this season. Obviously, he did a lot of work on The X-Files. And Campbell is kind of interesting, though. She is a comedian who's done a lot of sketch comedy, including work with the Groundlings, Upright Citizens Brigade. She wrote for SNL. She was on Mad TV for a little bit. And I didn't recognize her name, but I looked her up, saw a picture, and I was like, oh, she was on At Midnight before. That was the Chris Hardwick show on Comedy Central. And she's been in commercials for CeCe's Pizza, Wendy's, Toyota. So it's kind of a weird combination of Glenn Morgan, who's done all this sci-fi stuff over the years, and somebody that has worked predominantly in sketch comedy, which a lot of these episodes have been written by people in... That have that are familiar with that type or in that genre. This comedic background. Yeah, that now, is Now, this episode does not scream sketch comedy or comedy in any way. I would argue this is the most serious of these new episodes. Next yeah. to the last week's episode, Wonderkind. But there, there are less comedic breaks in this than any of the other episodes I feel like we've had. I really had. feel like this one didn't have any. None, really. I mean, there you end up having basically two conversations among the crew once we get into basically the thick of the story where they're trying to break it up a little bit. But there is one conversation I can think of, and it is whenever there's a birthday party. That seemed very natural, but I know I, while researching this episode, came across that Campbell and Morgan, with their writing, they wanted to make it seem... Like it is an off-the-cuff, something that's sporadic, but they wanted to play into the emotion, but also make it lighthearted before they dive into the madness. Mm. Well, it came out on May 2nd, 2019, 54 minutes. It's the longest episode we've had so far next to The Comedian. Which is the first episode that we ever had 
I can't wait to hear what you have to say because I know the comedian for you, it was really dragging on. And this also being the, the longest next to the comedian, I'm kind of wondering if you have the same feelings. Now, what can you say about the cast? Because it is basically a bottle episode. We are mm-hmm. only introduced and only get to spend time with six crew members. That's it. I didn't know who any of them were other than one actor. He's the guy with the long hair that I recognized from an episode of The X-Files that he was on that Glenn Morgan happened to write in season 10. And you say that he reminds you a little bit of Edward Furlong, right? Yeah, he had the an Edward Furlong vibe, only he wasn't all doped up. <laughs> he wasn't junked out. As in his post-Terminator 2 John Connor days. Ooh, post-Pet Cemetery 2. That's right, Pet Cemetery 2. These actors, as you mentioned, are very unfamiliar faces, I would say, for the most part. We have... The lead, played by DeWanda Wise, she's mainly been a TV actress starring in things such as She's Gotta Have It, a Netflix series produced by Spike Lee. Also, there was a Netflix film that she was in called... Wait, what, what channel was that on? What service? Netflix. Hmm. Is that's already been on TV? Or that's yeah. already... Wow. It's I might released. have to look that up. I'm really curious because the poster has her, like, just her face in this. And from what I can tell, it looks like a whimsical, like a a lighthearted. I'm not seeing any photos, any video or trailers of this, so have no clue. It may be the complete opposite. But there's another film that she's in on Netflix again called Someone Great. It's a rom-com. Don't know anything about it. But... DeWanda plays our lead, Commander Alexa Brandt. I found the name to be interesting because Alexa, do you think that they chose that name more along the lines to play into the whole Amazon Alexa? Yeah. Her last name is also the same last name as Anne Hathaway in Interstellar. Ooh, I like that little nugget of info. The other supporting actor who you noted before we started recording and plays a pretty large role in this Jefferson White, he plays Jerry Pearson, goes a little crazy to say the least. (laughs) He has starred in TV shows such as Yellowstone, haven't seen it, House of Cards, haven't seen it, and How to Get Away with Murder, still haven't seen it. But I do know how to do that. All you have to do is watch The Wonderkind and you'll be able to have a play-by-play rule book on how to get away with murder, literally. You have not seen any of these people, right, for the most part? No, I I mean... Didn't recognize any of the names. Didn't really recognize any of their faces. Though, DeWanda, I swear I've seen her in something. She did look familiar. Especially... In some of the promotional material, too, she looks like uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. It's not her, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that's who I I was like, man, that's... Like, in this image, we're looking at a screen. In that image, she looks like Jada right there. Yeah, that's true. We've got an image pulled up here on our computer with our notes. And it's DeWanda. I can see that. So hot take, real quick. What are your thoughts on the actors and the acting in this episode? We'll get into that. Okay. Unless you want me to start spilling the beans. No, let's not, because I think that's a great way to segue into our thoughts. First up, six degrees of freedom is fill in the blank. Uh, Mine is six degrees of freedom is the first great episode of the rebooted Twilight Zone. What? This is one I was not looking forward to. And I, I know you said you did not want to watch this. We watch these Thursday nights. We record on Fridays. And I kept pushing this off last night. And I was playing video games. I worked out. I was like, well, I have to do it now because I need to go to bed at a reasonable time. And I'm glad that I did. 
you watched it before me because you text me something that I did not know what you meant by that. We'll get to that at the very end of this episode, but had no clue what you were saying. I get home. Uh, it's a late night for me. I watch this at midnight, have all the lights off. Ooh, that was the best way to view this episode. For sure. I had the lights off too. So you were in complete darkness. Yep. And we've been having all these storms and it was, there's a little patter on the roof of the rain coming down. It's dark. Got my cat curled up with me and I was in for a little spooky ride. If only you had the radio on just a little bit, just so you could hear that every once in a while. And there's a radio broadcast come through about the flooding or emergency services. So my fill in the blank is six degrees of freedom is shooting for the stars, but struggles to stick the landing. Okay. That's interesting. Let's get into the narrator's intro, which we have at six minutes and two seconds into this episode, Jordan Peele appears on the ship and he says, five voyagers setting sail to a mysterious red light, 35 million miles across an empty sea Soaring within the greatest invention ever created by the human spirit to escape a catastrophe made possible by the most destructive regions of the human mind. Individual madness or shared nightmare. The answer lies in their search for safe harbor here in the Twilight Zone. I like it. I like it. I think the first sentence is a giant run-on sentence that needs well, yeah. to be chopped up. In it's like too two long. Parts. But the thing I like about this one is how we're introduced to Peel, because the shuttle is pure chaos. The camera's shaking, and we slowly kind of shake and then um, settle on Peel, who is in the ship, and he gives us this doozy. I do agree. It's way too long, to the it, point where I'm like confused about what he's saying I, two things the first thing right away it sounded like he was running out of breath and it seemed like he was rushed you ever watch his hands by the way Not i watched him for some reason in this one he is like he didn't know what to do with them <laughs> weird what's well, because he's floating upside down you should watch it i liked it in the exception of that first sentence really needs to be cut and also red light. I get what he's saying, but... You sure it's red light? Because when you read that, I was like, I don't remember him saying mm-hmm. that. Hmm. Yeah. I would be okay with red planet. Be maybe a little more specific, but whatever. I can overlook that. I do think that once we get to individual madness or shared nightmare, liked it as it moves on. But one thing to know, I think right before Peel is introduced and we get this intro... We have the best cold open that we've seen so far where it puts us in the seat of the greatest what-if question posed by the Twilight Zone rebooted series so far. It's a what-if, or what would you do rather, where you are one of these astronauts and you're getting ready to, to take off. You've been training for this for four years, as they keep saying, and all of a sudden you hear, coming from Master Control, that there are nukes. And major cities across the U.S. are being destroyed from North Korean missiles. Did you you like that they specifically said who detonated them? I was okay with that. Because it's Russia and North Korea. Yeah. I I actually like that. It plays into this idea of our greatest threat is North Korea, modern currently. Because if this were made in the 50s, 60s, it would be Russia. Yeah, this is the best cold open we've had in all six episodes. And it does a really good job of setting up the story in six minutes 
the in it putting you in the shoes of what would you do you kind of have no choice because if i want to stay there and four other people don't you're kind of screwed and and ultimately in this episode the uh, captain decides she has the final say and she has to live with the consequences of that decision I will also note that we have breadcrumbs in terms of one of the characters who is on the fence. And we see that from the start where he hesitates. And throughout the entire episode, we see the unraveling, if you will, of this psychosis of him deciding whether or not it was a good idea. But not just that. He's also debating whether or not this is real. It's good because usually in these type of episodes or stories, it's a gradual descent into mm-hmm. that madness. And this sets it up immediately that he's unsure of the decision and he's already weighing whether or not what is happening is reality from like instantly. I will say that this is probably one of the best TV shows that we've received that's like a bottle episode in terms of space exploration that approaches themes in a different way we have not seen for quite some time but that is something that i will get into for what i liked about it last episode we talked about predictions on this episode what we thought would happen you nailed two of those we had four and last week we had four as well. We just sticking with four, and we only got one right. We got two Ooh. right this time. You got two right. I got two, but we're a team, so <laughs> you you get to you know enjoy the glory too. But I need you to start picking it up. I have because I don't good think, predictions for the next episode. I don't think you're taking this very seriously. Our four predictions were that the ship will crash land in the Nevada desert. That did not did happen. not happen. Um, I had one that a ship from Mars, that this ship was from Mars and it was going to crash on Earth. It was going to be a little reversal. Did not happen. Nope. My wild card at the time, two characters will have sex. Happened. Nailed it. <laughs> they, they nailed, nailed it, too. it and I nailed it. <laughs> and then this is, this is the one that has people calling me a prophet. Ooh. I said the runtime would be 54 minutes. And like those two characters having sex. Check mark. It was 54 minutes and I nailed it. You, so we get 2,000 points, baby. 2,000 points we needed to get back to Earth. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm going to need you to step it up because you've I'm really a, been sucking it up. I've got two predictions for the next episode that I can't wait to share with you. That's good because I actually don't have any. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. We'll get there together. So... Now let's jump into the things we liked about this episode and three things or less. For me, this poses the ultimate what-if question. I mentioned that earlier of do you stay on Earth and face this ultimate doom and destruction or do you go and risk everything you've got and it's basically a suicide mission in which the commander later on in the episode has one of my favorite lines from this and she says, I'm a commander of nothing but a slow suicide. Love that's honestly one of my favorite lines from this entire series. Because you survive and you get to Mars, and then what are they doing? What's next? That's it. What is next? They're expected to colonize and be part of this new process for colonizing Mars. What we see at the end kind of tells us that this is in the early stages of what they're supposed to do. So really, they're stuck. They're there, but now what are they going to do? We're led to more or less believe that. It was a lose-lose situation, 
and you either try to start over somehow and pull a Matt Damon from The Martian or you just screw yourself and stay on Earth. What would you do? If you were on the ship, what would you want? I think I don't think I would want to. Oh, you would stay behind? I'd rather stay behind and deal with what I know rather than the unknown. It's a tough decision that, like I said, poses the greatest what if or what would you do question of this series so far. Number two, the other thing that I really liked about it, it's a bottle episode, but it confronts this idea of isolation and confrontation that allows us to see we're able to do better as a race if we come together and they do come together. So I really like that they started using that confrontation isolation, but it did not go the way that we are expecting it to in this one tiny episode. Kind of segueing into that, but my number one is I really do think, as I said earlier, this is my favorite space exploration story that we've received that's a condensed story like this in quite some time. I mean, it's hard to do for a TV show, but I think it handled it with the thematics in such a different way. Because going into this, I thought they're all going to get stuck, lose their minds, turn on each other. That didn't happen. I was very happy. I, I thought the same thing. Very happy to see that was very, very different. What are the things that you liked? I don't have a ton, which is weird because I said this is the Ooh. best one yet. But you mentioned a lot of it. And I think this does a really good job of... Not only setting up a great story, but that cold open is so well done. And throughout the 54 minutes, it has these really successful moments of tension that lead up to the finale. Now, we'll get into the finale, whether or not it's successful ultimately. But a lot of times with these T-Zone episodes, we are programmed to look ahead to the ending. We know it's probably going to be something wacky, some wacky twist. And uh, in the case of this episode, as the episode goes on, the characters start losing it more and more. I actually felt anxiety watching it. It also caused me to nervously twitch and just move around on the couch. Yeah, it's it, it does it's successful in making you feel anxious, and it, it I think it's really it really does a good job of making you wonder whether or not Jefferson White's character might actually be right. And we know he's a character who comes to the belief that what they are experiencing isn't real. And up until the final moments, I didn't. I kind of wondered if he was right because we we they land on Mars and we slowly pan out, zoom out, and I was thinking we were going to see some sort of soundstage. We were getting the Nevada ending where they never left Earth, mm-hmm. something like that. And this was just like a NASA test. So I think it just does those two things really well. And I think Jefferson White is the one that kind of pops in the cast. Okay. I think most of the cast didn't really do much for me. But anytime he's on screen acting squirrely, he's really good. He was selling it. Also noting you talking about him acting squirrely, you've said that about Adam Scott's character. You liked it whenever he was acting paranoid. And then there was another character. Was that... Yeah, it was John Cho saying how he was acting a little freaked out. So that's a theme so far. Your favorite. They like to have fun with people and making them feel uncomfortable. (laughs) And when you do that with a good actor, uh, it can be a lot of fun for us to watch. Very true. Now diving into the things that we did not like in Three Things or Less. I'll actually start out with saying it was a little bit too long. But the thing that made it seem long 
there's one part of this that could have been cut or it could have been incorporated into the ending to make it better. And I will talk about the ending when we get into that segment. So I'll say that for later. But the thing that could have been cut, the flashbacks of past astronauts and their missions, I, that kind of seemed useless to me. But that sets up the ending. Yeah. Because you wonder why, why do we keep seeing this and we in the end realize why. We also see at the very beginning of this episode, it reveals the ending in terms of why we're seeing what we're seeing. And I went back today to rewatch just Peel's intro because I wanted to see the beginning all the way up to that moment. And in the very beginning, the first probably 30 seconds before we get the briefing number, that's whenever we see all of these flashes that we see at the very end of this as well. The last thing I will say plays right into that is that I feel like this deserves a better ending. I thought it was just okay, but as I said in my fill in the blank, I think that it did not stick the landing. It was building up to it. It was actually starting to soar. And if the ending, and I've got some tweaks, just a few suggestions, if it were tweaked and changed and had that better ending, this could easily be my favorite episode of this new series. Hmm. So are we going to, let's write these out. We're going to send them to Glenn Morgan. Yeah. And Heather Ann Campbell, we're going to really kind of teach them how to do it. And say, once you finish season two, here are the revamps. Oh. So what are your three? Do do you have three dislikes? Yeah, I do. I'm going to say two going on your timing issue that I don't think at 54 minutes, this flew by. For you, it did? I didn't have any issues with the time on this one. Okay. I thought it was very successful in that um do you think it could have gone longer no i mean i think it's fine the way so it perfect is. time one of my complaints i'll start from the bottom and this episode suffers from a couple things that drive me crazy with these stories it's filled with so much space jargon that you have just moments where you don't care what they're even <laughs> saying you're just like waiting to hear keywords so you can be like oh i gotta listen again i hate that Uh, I mean, it's fine, but this one felt like there was a lot. And then I'm really big on pacing and storytelling. And we talked about this last week with The Wonderkind, where the episode would sporadically cut to John Cho on the medical table. And I really thought that interrupted the flow. And this episode has the same problem because it spans time. It's like 270 days to Mars. Mm -hmm. And we are constantly jumping days, weeks, and months. And it keeps cutting to this black title countdown. Did you like that? Where no, that's the, I don't. Okay. So that's. There's the, a better way to do that where you're not having to fade in and out. That drives me crazy. I wonder if that could have been shown through like the character, Katie, who's getting a rash on her neck. And we see that progressing. Or just have shot, just put the countdown at the bottom of the screen. We don't, why are we cutting in yeah, and out? Yeah, that's a good it point. It takes out of the flow. There's a, I think just a, a better, more creative way you can do it beyond Actually, just that. The, you bringing that up makes me think back to watching this episode, and that's whenever I check the time on this. I would Every time that happened, I would check the time. I'd say like every 15 minutes. Yeah, I don't know what – there's something about it that takes me out of the moment. Uh, like I said, I don't think anyone is offensively bad in the cast. Jefferson White, I think, is the standout because he loses his marbles and is a lot of fun to watch. But – the first five episodes, we have great actors, well-known actors in mm-hmm. every episode. This one doesn't, and it seems like kind of a strange, almost wasted opportunity. I, 
and that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately today, especially is did they have a missed opportunity here to put someone in that's a major name? Or is this better to have those who are trying to, as one person who I had talked to about this, said they were trying to prove themselves how hungry as an actor they are to make themselves be the standout? I'm not trying to like dismiss anybody's work. Sure. I would just think, and maybe some of these other episodes will not have anybody like well-known. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that that was kind of weird that this one had nobody. Yeah. And then kind of a fun note. Did you know Jefferson White is going to be on an upcoming episode? Uh, another episode of The Twilight Zone? He's listed as in the credits for two episodes. Oh, I had no idea. Does it say which episode? It does, but I can't remember. It's the one with, what's the blue? Blue Scorpion? Blue, maybe. I think that's the I name of it. It's we'll, the final episode. We'll find out. So I wonder if there's going to be some tie-in. Weird. That'd be weird. Huh. And then I think the worst thing about this episode is the plot is very generic. Yeah. There, the the cold open sets up a really interesting idea and, you know, dealing with the decision on if you want to leave or stay behind and what that happens when you decide that you're going to peace out. And I just don't think ultimately the episode takes advantage of that good idea. But at the same time, with the plot being as simple as it is, the 54 minutes flew by. Well, what you're talking about for taking that into account, I'm wondering if some of these ending ideas will kind of play into that. There are two things I'd like to talk about in terms of the pacing and how the story progresses. Did you like the dilemma that they were facing basically in the middle of the story when we end up having two characters starting to bang (laughs) jeez and we cut to that and the commander is saying guys you can't do this this is going to pose an issue for the spaceship and if we end up having a risk where a child comes on board with us we put all of our lives in danger and we basically forfeit this mission we won't arrive there we'll screw ourselves it's their lives and the life of that baby so did you like the way it dealt with almost like this underlying thematic like overpopulation type idea or did you get take anything else away from that no i thought it was fine is i i took it just as they needed a way to pass the time okay because i never got the impression up until that point that those two characters were anything close sure so i mean i think was it before or after they have sex that the the guy asked her for he's like can i get some broccoli and she won't pass it that was before before I think it's a kind of a cool idea that they bring up, but it doesn't it doesn't end up going anywhere. It's like a a roadblock that takes a detour for five minutes, and then sure. we they never kind of address it again. I do like that though, in terms of it's never been approached that way in another space travel storyline that I can't remember. Where say it happens all the time in alien movies, and you just have these two horny characters going at it. Whereas this, there's this real dilemma that they are confronting. Hey, it's not just this quick, let's show some skin, but because not a lot is really revealed at all in that. I just thought that thematically it was a really interesting issue to talk about that to show, hey, there's this issue of them doing this that risk their mission, but it also could jeopardize the future, not just of them, but of the human race. I just found that to be interesting. The other thing. 
You what? know what? They could have. She could have got pregnant though by the end of this because they lose one of their. Uh, yeah, that's they right. They lose one of their shuttle mates. And maybe that. So is... once they did, once uh, that character's gone, the captain's like, "Yeah, go ahead and bang. Go right ahead. We need to make up for this." Speaking of Jefferson, because this is the character who loses his mind and feels like none of this is real because he's rubbing his hand around in toilets and he's <laughs> trying to find some kind of proof. I thought he had like hidden a knife or something. It was going to go on a rampage. That's where I thought this story was going to. What do you think about that? Where he was basically conducting all these side experiments and he says, without a doubt, this is not real. He got me. He had me fooled. So you were on board with him. I don't know if I'm on board with him, but I wondered if he was... I, I feel like they quickly um, dismissed what he was saying when it is a possibility. That was a really cool buildup of him just losing his mind. And whenever he opens that airlock, reminded me so much of sunshine. Yeah, it's very sunshiny. If he would have brought this up to them at any other moment than the solar flare happening, I think he could have gotten some people on his side. Another thing that was noted, and I didn't think a whole lot about it while watching it the first time, but after watching it, I was talking to someone else who has seen it. They said, you know, it wasn't until after him saying that I have without reasonable doubt that this is fake. Up until that moment, there was no solar flare. But once he started presenting that to the crew, that's whenever the solar flare started to come and pose a threat to the ship. So that's alien that race. The aliens yeah. doing that? And it's assumed to be that they're the ones, all right, now we have to cover our tracks or distract them. Or maybe... But he's not right because they actually go to Mars. Right. And he's taken. Where, Or I assume that he's taken, unless that's death and he's he died. Let's now jump into the ending of this and describe that in greater detail. What's one word that you would use to describe it? The ending? Yeah. Dissatisfying. One, yeah, sloppy is the word that I would use. Because it just seemed like it was building up, like I said, had so much potential, and it just petered out at the end. Here's what happens. The ending. We have the entire crew landing safely on Mars, minus Jefferson White or Jerry Pearson, who he let himself out of the airlock because he thought all of this was just a test. It was all fake. He's going places, baby. <laughs> He's going places in a cold vessel. We then get a view of this crew on the red planet within their ship. This shield is lifted, and they're able to look out and see that they have landed safely on Mars. The cam camera slowly pans out, revealing aliens watching from a control room-like area and they're playing multiple scenes from this episode on several monitors or screens within this room. We also see Jerry lying in this pool of goo. And goop. He, he, he wakes up because he's Make like, what is goop. on me? He wakes up and he appears to have been changed by the aliens because you see in his eyes, there's not only like this reflection of Mars, but there's also this different tint to his eyes. So... Is it assumed that he's been taken over by the aliens? Has he changed? Is he now an alien? I don't know. What do you think? That's the problem, I think, with this is it's so vague. Like, I understand what happens, the overall ending, that he's, that the aliens were watching over them. We know not, they, they mentioned that not many people, no one has, like, made it to Mars. Mm -hmm. But these people are worthy of it, apparently. Mm -hmm. And it's too vague. 
they've gone through the great filter, which not all humans or not everyone or everything does. It's the reverse the uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street. Yep, where uh, it reverses it to where instead of what can we do, it's like, can they do this? Can they succeed? I didn't I think the ending is rushed and it's sloppy and it's too vague, even though you understand ultimately what it's trying to do. It's just not I don't know. I it sucks because it wind the whole episode winds winds down and that ending's probably like a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, and you're just like that again, all these episodes seem to have ending problems where they're so mm-hmm. rushed. Even the great ones like A Traveler was rushed. The only one I would say is not rushed, I don't feel like, is, yeah, right? Yeah, that's you still say the some? best ending, I think, successfully. And we kind of have this buildup through that entire episode. If you want to know more about it, go back and listen to our thoughts on that. But for that, this is another episode that it, at times, we're saying that, you know, it could be a little, it's a little overlong, but that's where this, yeah, like you're saying, I totally agree. It seems like it's missing the elements in the final scenes to make this really a great episode. I think a problem too is the Twilight Zone is starting to have, or at least this reboot has the Shyamalan effect where mm. we are pressing play and from the get-go we are expecting something at the end sure. to happen and we're anxious for it. And that's starting to become a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It's taking away from your viewing experience because I was thinking of that at the end of this, all right, what's going to be the big surprise? Yeah, and you, you think that from the get-go. And I'm wondering, would it be better if they were like, or is it too much of a trademark? But you'd be like, we're not going to do a twist ending. We're just going to tell a, a space story. And the the ending for this one would, would be that they landed on Mars. That's mm-hmm. and It's just like, what? Who cares? Yeah, and you in that case kind of defeats the whole Twilight Zone. There's got to be something that... We see them overcoming or they're struggling to do whatever it may be. So there is kind of that dilemma. All right. This is a good time to bring this up. As I said, I wrote down a couple of notes for the ending. Here are just a few thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say, especially whether it's good or not. It so turns, these are alternate endings. Alternate endings. After watching this, I had to jot these down. I'm like, I have to get these on paper just to see, is this the issue I'm having with this episode? That I'm not liking it for those reasons and just those reasons? Here we go. Alternate ending number one. It's all just an experiment, but conducted by aliens or foreign powers, such as Russia, North Korea, so on and so forth. That's one of those endings. Um, no. The second one. As they were taking off, the actual nuke hits the spaceship and destroys them, but we don't know that at the time. As the episode goes along, we find out that they were the only ones who died, the real explorers trying to escape a troubled Earth, but their spaceship actually sh- saves a major city from being nuked. Wouldn't they have more than one nuke? True, they would, but at least they'd save like L.A. or <laughs> Orlando. Like we, we can't go back to L.A. and vomit. Um, there's too many questions on that, so I don't like it. I okay. do. That's kind of a sixth sense ending, too. Sure. They didn't know they were dead all along. The third one, they're all having dreams of past astronauts who successfully landed on Mars who ended up greeting them when they arrived on the planet. So it's kind of like flash forwarding. They're not sure why they're having these dreams, but oh, well, they're like almost having these lost type connections to these astronauts who were successful as well. Hmm, That was not bad. 
The fourth one, they're greeted by others, but not astronauts, who have colonized Mars before them, and possibly they were putting them through a test to determine if they're worthy to help colonize as well. So when they land on Mars, people are there. Mm -hmm. Or other something race beings, yeah. Uh, okay. The other one, they were just greeted by Martian, Martians on Mars. That's all. I still wouldn't have been nuts if we go through this whole episode and they land and they land just back in Nevada. That would actually be pretty interesting. They spend 270 days orbiting Earth and they land and on, going, a, okay. on basically Earth that's been destroyed. I'd be okay with that. That's that's awesome because you're going through madness yeah. for no reason. I like that. I like. I would be down for that too. Let's pitch that one. So that's yours. That's your pitch. I've mm-hmm. got two more. Oh, I thought you. I'm sorry. I thought no, you no, were done. That's all right. The other one, it ends without any aliens, but you hear a radio broadcast of War of the Worlds as a transmission back to the ship moments after the arrival on Mars. That's not bad, yeah. Or because That's a good one because you're leaving thinking something is happening and no, everything on exactly. Earth is fine. That's a good ending. Because we get that foreshadowing of the dinner table mm-hmm. where they're talking about War of the Worlds. And I'm like, bringing this back up, guys. Like, this was a wasted opportunity. Now, the problem is they're in space for 270 days. How do you account for not being in contact with master control? Ma- something would have to happen to blow their transmission. Maybe it was like a software update issue or something. Because they go into that with Pina. That yeah. they, they need, the update is somehow affecting the communication. But I have to say, I'm glad they did not take the 2001 route with this, where Tina is just this deranged robot. Did you know who voiced Tina? No. Tina Fey. Oh. <laughs> I love it. And here's the last one. We hear one final transmission back to the Bradbury ship, and it's from Jerry, who says something along the lines of, I've found other life. So your favorite is the... War of the Worlds? Yeah, I think that one's good. You just come up with some stupid sci-fi jargon why they can't talk to Master Control, and you got it set. Like that or orbiting Earth for a year. And they land back in Nevada or in Nevada. in Nevada, and they think they're on Mars, and they realize that it's Earth. I'd be okay with that. That's the thing. Like, I feel like they were trying to do something, and it originally was, like, simple, but then they blew it out. It just wasn't. Yeah, I would like to, I almost want at the end of this season, we the writers respond like why they did what they did. What was the thought process behind either stories, the endings, the ideas that came about or and you know what they were trying to pay homage to with the old episodes, you know stuff like that. I like that. Let's do Peel's outro as the narrator now. And hope, it goes I hope it's one giant sentence. It is said that scene is believing. The crew of the Bradbury heavy mission to Mars might tell you otherwise. They're about to find out that they couldn't trust their own eyes. But who or what can we trust if not ourselves? The answer lies somewhere between takeoff and landing and the Twilight Zone. I think I like it. It kind of sounds like some gobbledygook, but I like well, it. Well, that's so you were saying, what was it? A traveler where he's. Peel seems to be kind of, eh. He's just like, maybe if I say some cool stuff, they won't think too hard about what <laughs> I'm saying. You think, all right, well, it's just Peel, and he looks awesome as the narrator. But that's how I felt with both of these, the intro and the outro. It kind of wraps it up, but at the same time, I just wish it, it left me wanting more, like the ending to this episode. Well, sometimes I complain about the intro and outro from the narrator, but I don't know exactly what I want. Okay. And this is one of those cases where I'm like, it sounds fine. Okay. It sounds maybe like he's just saying something that sounds cool. 
but I can't pinpoint why I don't like it. So it's, I'll just say it's okay. It's okay. That's how I felt about this, that overall I liked it, but it just it felt like it was missing an ingredient. It's kind of the scenery, though, of Peel. And this is one, too, where we don't see Peel at the end. Mm-hmm. We only hear the voiceover. Is that the first time? You know, that happened one other time. I can't remember. Was it a traveler? I think it was a traveler. Yeah, that it was we, a traveler. That it pans to the sky and we just yeah. hear him? Okay. And those are both Morgan ones. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. This one and a traveler I, were. I feel more. like they're going to start doing this more, where Peel doesn't have to be on set. Mm. But do you like him? Like seeing him as? Yeah, a there? I do. I like the. I like to see how they incorporate him into the scenery. Yeah, I do too. I, that's one thing that I really like seeing how he, he interacts with the environment where wherever he is. Do you have a YouTube moment? Something where years down the road, this episode will be remembered for. If I'm looking it up, I'm going to search for this scene where. Jefferson White's character is trying to convince the crew that what they are experiencing is fine as the solar flare hits and chaos erupts. I almost went with that. I'm going to have to go with the very beginning. The what if like. Oh, yeah. The cold open is very good. Yeah. Very good. So overall grade. I'm going to do something I haven't done yet this season. I haven't done anything past B+. We're moving into the A territory. What? I think even with the ending, which I think is just kind of sloppy, as I've said numerous times, I'm going to give this an A minus. Good grief! I this loved it. Top. I was, could not believe how how much fun I had with it. Now I'm saying that to you as if like I'm surprised, but I'm not really all that surprised. I almost went with an A minus as well, but the ending I just can't because of that. And it's the idea of that's the last thing that stuck in my head. So I'm going with the B plus. I think at A minus, it's. I really do think it's well deserved. This is now where we come to the point of ranking all of the new Twilight Zone episodes. We got six of them, baby. I got some shuffling. I've shuffled a little bit as well this time. Let's start with the bottom and go all the way to the top. Number six. Number six, I have the comedian. Probably will stay there, as he said. Number five, I have a replay. Okay. Number four. The Wonderkind. Slipping. Slipping in the rankings a little bit. I had that number two last week. I'm I'm promoting A Traveler to third place. Woo. It's getting what? a promotion. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Number two. This is when it gets good. Slipping to second place, I have Nightmare at 30,000 okay. feet and my favorite so far, Six Degrees of Freedom, Woo. this brand new episode. But as you have seen, or as you have just heard, we can shuffle here. In the Twilight Zone. Loves that. Number six, The Comedian. Okay. Number five, The Wonderkind. That dropped my book. Yeah, that fell. Okay. Number four, Replay. Number three, Nightmare at 30,000 feet. Number two, A Traveler. What? Yep. You're kidding me. The top for me, Six Degrees of Freedom. Wait, what's your number three? Number three is Nightmare. So our top three are the same, just in different order. Sure. But for me, A Traveler, and this is really interesting, Glenn Morgan episodes, my number one and number two. Well, I just think of all the people so far that have helped with this, he just has the most experience in putting together something like this. Yeah. Even though I'm very unfamiliar with Glenn from what you've said, I feel like he's probably is the most qualified. Let's now move on to our last segment and we should see Easter eggs. First and foremost, let's cover the nods to older Twilight Zone episodes 
I just have one on this. If you noticed, the onboard software slash computer is Tina. That's in reference to Talkie Tina from the Living Doll episode, the original Twilight Zone show, when which that was season five, episode six. That's all for the nods to the older Twilight Zones. Now, times with the new Twilight Zone episodes, you've got two, right? You noticed two? I noticed two obvious ones. Obvi- obviously, we have Whipple Aeronautics, which is the shuttle. It's and everywhere. It's everywhere, all over the ship. It's on their gear. Uh, at one point, one of the characters is playing with a airplane that is Northern Gold Star Airlines, which is the plane that Adam Scott flies in in Nightmare at 30,000 feet, and William Shatner did long ago. Long, long ago. And then I have a random one. Do you want to – this is just something – this is a Glenn Morgan Easter egg. Okay. Should I do it now? Hold on a second because okay. I do have something like that coming up here as well. The other tie-in to other new Twilight Zone episodes, at the very beginning, we end up getting the title card, Briefing Number 10 mm. Didn't see that, and I'm, I'm kind of ticked. That's where we get our 1015 reference, which, by the way – Listeners out there, if you have seen the 1015 reference and the Wonderkin, please let us know. We can't find it. I don't, we, you know, we took to Twitter. Again, we only have like six followers, but we took to Twitter (laughs) and we asked, we we pleaded for help. Come on, guys, help us find 1015 in the Wonderkin. No one has spoken up. I don't think it exists. I don't think it does either. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. So those are the, the tie-ins. I want to bring up two episodes from the past Twilight Zone series that this episode most resembled. First and foremost, you talked about this playing out like the reverse of Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Classic episode. The other one is, it's kind of vaguely similar in terms to the five characters in search of an exit, mainly due to those confined to the spaceship and they're trying to find an exit, whether they're trying to escape Earth or they're trying to escape this mission or escape, I guess, the risk of losing their lives either way. That was in Season 3, Episode 14 of the original series. It was released on December 22nd, 1961. Do you know what that story is about? No, I've never seen it. Without giving anything away, there are five random characters confined to one space, one room. Sounds like Saw. And it's, yeah, actually it is very much so like that. But it's this cylinder room and it's dimly lit. They are trying to scale the walls, but it's smooth walls and a high ceiling. They're just trying to get out. Eh, loosely based, but for the most part, I'd say Six Degrees of Freedom is a relatively all original Twilight Zone episode. So... Other random notes in which this story has other pop culture tie-ins. I'm curious about your Glenn Morgan one now. So I'm going to set this up a little bit. We know Glenn Morgan worked on the X-Files, and he worked on the two most rebooted season, which is season 10 and 11. Back in season 10, Morgan wrote and directed an episode called Home Again. And in that episode, the rancid singer slash guitarist Tim Armstrong starred in it. Now, Armstrong guest vocals on the song Family by the Interrupters, which is played multiple times in this episode. So I'm assuming Morgan must be a big Tim Armstrong fan. He just loves him, incorporating him in everything. Because what are the odds of that? It's definitely got to be Glenn Morgan choice. 
I don't know if those two are tight or what, but I heard Armstrong's voice and got excited. You knew right away. Have you heard that song before, family? I got a mother named Mary. Because of Tim Armstrong, yes, that he's featured on it. I've never listened to the Interrupters outside of that. I think I might, though. I will after this. After watching this episode, I seriously wanted to play all of their music. I love that ska. Give me some ska. Go listen to some Rancid, though. They rule. Okay, I'll do that, too. There are just two that I've got. One, this story is apparently a direct reference to Meg... How Ray's recent sci-fi novel, The Wanderers. Have you heard of this? I haven't. I've, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. So it's about astronauts agreeing to take part in a fully simulated mission to Mars. But as they spend more time together, they suspect it's the real deal. And they're actually traveling through space. Sounds mm-hmm. very similar, right? The other one, Bradbury Heavy Mission. That is the name of this ship. And the actual mission of Mars for this crew on Six Degrees of Freedom. Bradbury is referring to Ray Bradbury, author of Fahrenheit 451 and also of the Martian Chronicles. Do you know what that story is about? Yes. Okay, because I actually had no idea about that until reading it. And you just blew my mind. 1,000 points to you. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on Bradbury, but I do know what that is. I have read that. So for the listeners out there who are with me in the dark about it, it's a story written in 1950 about the colonization of Mars, and it happens by escaping a troubled and atomically devastated Earth. This story of the Twilight Zone is basically taking the pages, literally. A little bit. It's, Brad- it's the Martian and the conflict that they have with these, co- like the new colonists. I really like that. But what I like more is that this is, to me, more of an original Twilight Zone episode. Since we got two back-to-back, are you a big fan of what we're seeing with these starting to step further away from the source material of past Twilight Zone episodes? I think that's one reason I like this so much is when it ended, I couldn't piece how it connected to the original series. That is another reason where I feel like we're starting to get stories where they're starting to say things that we haven't heard before, and I'm digging it. I'm loving it. So that's going to do it for this episode. Want to tease what's coming up next? We've got on the next episode of Twilight Zone, Not All Men. What are our predictions for that? I've got two right off the bat. I don't. I have one prediction, Okay. and then I just have one comment. Do not like the title. Not all men. Not all men. Really? It's like a traveler. It sounds weird just having to refer to it as that. We were talking about this before recording earlier today. It's got to refer to the Me Too movement from based on on the trailer, what we've seen. Absolutely. This feels like, okay, I have two predictions now. And I was going to say something. I'm going to make it a prediction. Okay. Well, I was going to say for the title, Not All Men, I'm wondering if that means that not all men are... Yeah, not all men go kooky. Yeah. Because from the, the looks of the preview, some sort of comet um, land, what does it land mm-hmm. on Earth and makes all the men go wacky. And one of the main characters. Or not all men, as we True, say. yeah. One of the main characters grabs it and starts going nuts. He starts going to town on it. Now, what do you think? Let's do four predictions. I have two. 
You have two. What is one of yours? The new Twilight Zone series has been very on the nose about saying certain things. And I think they're going to take lingo that has been uttered by the current president of the United States. I think that You're, one of the characters, one of the guys will, will say what? Will say grab them by the blank. The blank. I this is going to be like you thinking Jacob Tremblay is going to touch somebody. This is a bad prediction. Well, we already see that that's happening in this upcoming episode that some characters just fondling another character. So. I don't think somebody's going to audibly say that, but I'll let you have it. I don't know. Uh, here's one of my predictions. Okay. Taste of Farmiga's in it. I predict that she will kill at least one person. I will predict there'll, there'll be another comet shower that happens at the very end. So it begins with the comets happening, and then there'll be more comets that come, and it basically causes whatever this outbreak or plague is going on to cause people to go crazy. It, like, closes it out as well. So it starts and it ends it at the same time. And then I'm going to do another runtime guesstimation. Like 25 minutes. Nope. 47 minutes. I think this is going to be short. 47 minute runtime. So our four predictions. This is hard because the preview doesn't give you much. A lot like six degrees. But I nailed two of them. Taste of Farmiga will kill at least one person. One person. A character will say grab them by the blank. Which will not happen. I can tell you that. That was a waste. The comet that uh, starts all of this will end all of it by the end of the episode. Another meteor shower. And it's going to be 47 minutes long. Four predictions. Do you want to you wanna take back the grab them by the black oh, one? I'm telling you, this has been so on the nose about everything. It, the but whole episode is going to be on the nose, but they're not going to say it. I would be shocked. Okay, there's actually... But we're keeping it. We've already locked it in, baby. I was going to say, if you're asking that for real, there's another prediction that I do have. Uh, yeah, I want you to take it seriously. You've gotten zero well, of these right. I think half of this, the back half, will be an utter bloodbath. <laughs> I'm serious. No, Look at I, I, I believe you, but... Like, people are going to go That's like crazy the ending of this episode. Streets. It's so vague. <laughs> it's like saying, oh, somebody's going to say the word <laughs> in this. You know, it's like, what? What? I can't wait. Can't wait. So that's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget that you can rate us and subscribe so that you know when a new episode of Quality Check drops in your podcast player. Follow us on Twitter at Quality Check Pod. That way you'd be able to get your hat in the ring for a Fandango gift card in our contest. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Quality Check Podcast, and email us at QualityCheckPodcast at gmail.com. Hey. None of this is happening. All the leaves are brown, all the leaves are brown, and the sky is gray, and the sky is gray. I came for a while, I for a while, on a winter's day, on a winter's day. I'd be safe and warm, I'd be safe and warm, if I was in L.A., if I was in L.A., California, California, Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. All right. So if you're still listening out there, got one more prediction for the upcoming Twilight Zone episode, Not All Men. Here it is. One character will say, 
You're a bad man. That's all. <laughs>